Hi, I'm Scott Soshner. I'm Eben Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast where we, and it's not just four, it's five, because we have my man Owen that's in the studio. That's right. Hello, Owen. Welcome, Owen. How you doing? Hello. Tell everybody why you're here. Um, my uh, good friend Pete Coates brought me in Welcome, to Pete. sit in and Hi, Pete. meet you guys. And why? What do you want to do? Where do you go to school? What do you want to do? Oh, so I went to King's College out in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and oh! I screw- oh, that's Barland. Ooh. Oh man, my uh, my son used to go there. Really? Yes, he did. Oh, fellow monarch. Beautiful. Yes, I have family in Courtdale, Pennsylvania. Yeah. As well. I have no connection to the area. Hey, but it's good. Me areas. either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was out there and I studied broadcast communications. I worked in uh, some TV. I worked for the college radio. And uh, now I'm trying to, you know, explore the market and figure out what I want to do. A new highlight. Here you are. Yeah, exactly. That's a highlight? Well, we'll test him out. We'll see what he knows about our topics. What are our topics, Bart? We got several. Uh, we usually do. Yes. I, this one, uh, let's start in, in very serious um, in about the death of Paul Allen, who uh, is big uh, in sports. He's done so much, co-founder of Microsoft. You wrote a story about this yesterday, and you were talking about now because he has two major entities in sports and what this is going to mean for the market. Yeah, strictly from the sports perspective, obviously he owns the Seattle Seahawks, two and a half to $3 billion asset. And the Portland Trailblazers, $1.34 billion asset. And the Sounders. And the Sounders, a 25% right. stake in the MLS team. Rarely, rarely do assets like this come on the market at the same time. Now, his estate has not said what it intends to do with these, but he has no wife. He has no kids. His sister has shown very little interest in the sports teams. I'm hearing that the basketball team certainly will be for sale. Maybe she'll hold on to the football team. Maybe at some point in the future it's for sale. But sports bankers are all sort of buzzing and circling and wondering what's happening because an auction like this would bring out some very interesting bidders. It's funny. We've talked about how kind of quiet this last couple months or even last year has been from a sales perspective. Uh, the Carolina Panthers were up on the market. They sold uh, the addition of a football team and the basketball team coming on the market at once. Uh, certainly would make this market a little more vibrant. What are the possibilities, assuming that both are being sold, is there a possibility that they get sold together, which would obviously you know, raise the bar for the type of person, the amount of money. Paul Allen was the 27th richest person in the world, the, the type of person that would even be able to put together a big group. As, as we saw with the Panthers and Tepper, that number was whittled down to really Tepper. Quickly, he needed <laughs> yeah, the money. And, and you, that need liquid, was, you need the liquid asset. Yeah, yeah, because you need to put down 30% as the NFL managing partner. It, it depends on what the estate wants to do. Could you sell them separately? Obviously, this will be about maximizing dollars. So they'll crunch the numbers, they'll speak to their reps, and they'll figure out how do we maximize the dollars. Somebody, because they are close in proximity, somebody may say, I'll take them both off your hands. And perhaps for the ability to do that at a price greater than what it would be sold separately. You think that the, that they could command more money together than they would if you separated them and found If you find and maybe there's one, if you find the right person who really wants those assets may overbid for the right to do it. And as we talk about the Seahawks specifically, um, in my mind this would be the most expensive US sports team ever sold. Yes. Is that that's essentially yes. what what the people you're talking to Coming out, yes, it'll two point, two point three. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll likely okay. eclipse two point three. Well, what are the chances that 
his only sister, his only sibling, says, hey, wait a minute. I, is this part of me? Is this, is, is this go to me? Is this in the will? Now, I, I hate to talk like that, but... Well, no, that, those are the realistic questions yeah. that are being asked. And some of the folks at the, at the NBA and the NFL have told me, you know, we're not sure what the estate is. And then we're not sure if his sister, if she does indeed inherit the teams, we're not sure what she wants to do. Is it too early to ask these questions in the banking world? No, because these are these are the questions that are being asked. If if you move slowly, I won't use the name, but a certain banker, after Ralph Wilson died, said really asked himself, how long do I need to wait before I inquire at the NFL about maybe representing the estate and the sale of the Buffalo Bills? Right. And he, in his mind, he said, well, I don't know, a week or two, like that's that's proper. So he waited. And then he made the call, and the, and the word back from the NFL was, you're way too late. <laughs> like wow. they, they were in right away. And this person said, I'm not making that mistake again. So fair to early, say that early we, bird. Fair to say that we will know, I think, very shortly yeah. what, what the future of these teams will be, whether they will be kept or they will be sold. Yes. Oh, and your thoughts on the possible sale of the Seahawks and Blazers. Do you definitely think that they'd be sold together, or do you think they'd Definitely be, no. No, I yeah. do not definitely think. As Eben Nobody can afford it. Well, that'd be the problem. Mm. You'd have to find somebody with. Some, You'd be severely some limiting your yeah. buyer pool for sure. Yeah. Steve Ballmer, you interested? I got a basketball team. On Patrick Sun Chung, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a basketball team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who it'd be. Uh, let, let's just say one of our former guests is probably eyeing it right now, Mr. Tim Laiwicki. He has Key Arena. He's going to have a hockey team. Up in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, the odds of the Blazers moving I probably not good, but to own multiple teams in the same market, especially in the NFL, um, he'll find a way to make it work in arena management. That's what he's into, so uh, let's toss that out there. Real quick, I'd be curious about what the Sounders' stake might be worth as well. Um, we see a lot of expansion teams come. They have a heavy price tag in MLS. The Sounders are one of the few teams, or not one of the few teams, but one of the teams that draws draw the best very well. yeah. in MLS. Um, that will be an interesting. Wait, do kind we still of say that with Atlanta? Benchmark. Do we still say that with with Atlanta United? Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta is probably the Port- highest. Portland, I haven't seen the numbers. Seattle, but Portland, Seattle, Atlanta. You know, these are teams that draw in a football stadium and draw big numbers. Um, we'll be curious to see if that gets sold separately. What kind of price tag gets put on an elite team that has a really big following? In a smaller league, my guess is the current owners just absorb it, Possibly. and then and then at a time to be determined can bring in new partners, because again it's not just about the money. When you're LPs, it's not about the just the money. What do managing general partners say these days? We need people who who bring us some expertise in something: real estate, media, banking, whatever it may be. Anybody can cut the check, but but you need some real expertise in something. And then one last question on Paul Allen. How does this affect the the NFL as a whole? Uh, He's obviously a very tech forward. He was a smart mind in owners' meetings, Um, more so probably a a business savvier than than your average NFL owner. Yeah, Um, they have access. Does this have any impact? No, they have access to best and brightest in whatever industry they want. I, I don't think it it really impacts it much. You know, on the personal level, I was there, I don't even know how many years ago. I've, I went to Portland a bunch of times. And the one time he did agree to talk to me, and he didn't like to talk a lot, so I approached him at halftime, and he's always got his security around him, and he was sitting with Bill Gates. So I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen, but what the heck, I have to take a chance. I'm out in Portland, right? And uh, he, he did agree to chat for five, ten minutes, just sort of a little chat on business of basketball. Um, but he was not 
one to seek the spotlight. He did not grant many interviews. He's done a few, but he, he didn't do it a lot on the sports teams. You're exactly right. Paul Allen, you will be missed. And on to another topic. This is about Nick Bosa, the Ohio State defensive end. He has withdrawn from school because he suffered an injury. I guess it was a, a core muscle. And Point to your core muscles, Bar. Yeah, what's my core? <laughs> it's under my fat stomach is what it is for me. But, I mean, it's – what – I, he wants to get ready for the 2019 NFL draft. And uh, I wonder if this is the right move or not. Eben and I love these kind of stories where players say, why should I come back and play for good old OSU and risk injury? He is projected to be a top three, four pick, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. the best defensive player in, in football. Why should I come back and risk my future and another injury for Ohio State? Now, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I'm done. I've, I've used college football for everything it's worth to him, legitimize himself. Everybody knows who he is, and move on to when he's going to get paid. Yeah, we, I mean, we could talk hard numbers. The, the NFL rookies are paid on a scale. It's contingent on uh, the salary cap and the rookie wage pool. But just to use last year's numbers, Baker Mayfield, the number one pick in the draft, which is where Nick Bosa might actually end up, 20, uh, $33 million contract. If he drops to 15 because of injury, which is possible, uh, you're looking at a $13 million contract. That's a $20 million difference. That's a Princeton education. On your, 33 uh, to 13, and he did it quickly. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mom. Uh, that, that is the kind of number that Nick Bosa thinks about and says, listen, yeah, I, I'm out for a while with this, with this abdominal injury. Um, there's a chance he could play again later in the year. He might feel the need to be rushed back. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen if he aggravates it again. Then you're talking, you know, if it happens in the national championship game, you're, what, five months away from the draft itself? Less than that, actually. Uh, You might not be able to participate in the combine. All of these things are things that could snowball and could easily result in a $20 million loss or more. Let me ask you this, Evan. When do we find the day, because we see healthy players skipping bowl games at this point, but when do we reach the day where the good quarterback doesn't matter, pick the name, halfway through the season says, you know what, the scouts have seen me, I'm projected top pick, I'm done. I'm I th- walking away. I think away. we're close to that now. I mean, you mentioned yeah. bowl games. Denzel Ward last year at Ohio State skipped their bowl game, went number four in the draft, you know, collected a what, $25 million, $29 million contract. Um, Joey, or Nick Bosa, when he got hurt, was leading the, the, the country, I think, in sacks and maybe even tackles for a loss. He was having a monster year. And you're right. There may be in the future and maybe the near future someone who has a, a huge start to the season, a couple games, realizes, hey, my draft stock might – Never be higher than Mel it is Kuyper right now. Mel Kuyper says you're the guy. Walk away. Yeah. Well, let me read a statement from uh, Ohio State coach Urban Meyer. He says that I was hopeful that Nick would be able to return to play again for us. I know this was an extremely difficult and emotional decision for Nick and his family, and I wish him well as he moves on to get himself 100% healthy and ready for his next chapter. See, that's the so, fear. That's the fear of every college coach out there, that it was not an extremely difficult and emotional decision. It was actually a very sound, simple decision that I don't need this college football thing anymore. And and we should mention the, the official reason why he's leaving is because he wasn't going to play again this year. Uh, right. So that that's kind of what what Urban is is referencing there. Uh, it does make you wonder, though, as we talk about you know risk benefit analysis, if a future where college football players are getting a salary of some sort or or making some money for being on the field, if that might change 
you know, skipping bowl games, the, the way people evaluate whether or not they should be playing in games, going to practice, et cetera. Um, if there was a financial, an extra financial reason for them to be playing in college, uh, that might change the, the analysis. Oh, and I'm coming to you because uh, you are currently in college right now. So your thoughts about this. Do you think if uh, more players kind of follow suit with this that it would lead to the NCAA bringing in more incentives for people to stay and play? I'm amazed that it hasn't happened already. <laughs> I don't say the, the NCAA wanted to give anything yeah. Yeah. to the players. My, my fear is that they're, they're, that scholarship offers soon come with some kind of contingency. That you, on, have, to, you have to play. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that this gets rescinded if, you, if you're not on the, on the field for, for eight games you a year. you got to pay back the price, is. yeah. Who knows? I wouldn't put that past the NCAA for sure. But I, I don't think this will be the impetus that leads to, to 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 players being paid. I think we're kind of on that process already. But that will happen by a, a court somewhere, a judge telling them they have to do it, not because they've they've somehow seen the light and realized that that it's better for them to to, to do it that way. Yeah, but we had another topic that uh, you wanted to talk about. Yeah, DAZN, uh and and Canelo Alvarez um, coming on the heels of of HBO s- announcing that they were getting out of boxing. Uh, Golden Boy Promotions, Oscar De La Hoya's promotion company, uh, which reps Canelo Alvarez, who in the post Mayweather Alvar- uh, Mayweather Pacquiao world is probably the biggest pay per view draw in boxing. Uh, they have a new deal. It's a big one. It's it's a ten fight deal worth a reported three hundred and sixty five million dollars. That's Giancarlo and, Stanton money. <laughs> and and all, Al Alvarez's next ten fights will all appear on DAZN. Uh, and for folks out there who aren't familiar with DAZN, it's a digital streaming platform. It is not on TV at all. Um, it's a it's an over the top platform. It launched in America in September. You know, so it's pretty relative. It's it's new. Um, but their plan in the U.S., at least right now, is combat sports. Now, you know what? what's funny is that Old Man Barr saw this for the first time, and it's spelled D- D-A-Z-N. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, you know, it Dazen? was- I thought it was Dazen. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> well, nobody nobody who doesn't know would look at that and say DAZN. Yeah, the first right. time I'd seen it, I'm like, huh? Right. Who? Well, this is part of Perform Group. They split, but worth mentioning- the brain now in charge, you know, what, what's what's his title? Executive chairman of perform, whatever. Advisor. Yeah, but you may have heard of John Skipper. Yeah. Oh, so, gee. yeah, you may have heard of John Skipper. You know, he, he he's the brain here. Um, it's interesting that they chose combat sports and they're sinking a lot of money investment in it. Uh, the ROI in the pay-per-view world is pretty good. Now you wonder if Canelo does that on the OTT world as yeah, well. Yeah, so the, the choice to do combat sports was they, they, they wanted to get into America. They had a big war chest, and all the rights here are taken. You know, you can't just buy up NFL rights. You can't just buy up MLB rights. Uh, they decided that they were going to, instead of nipping away at the periphery of a lot of sports, dive really hard into one, uh, and they chose boxing. So th- there was a billion-dollar partnership uh, joint venture with Matchroom Boxing, which is the U.K.'s biggest uh, – biggest promotion now there's a you know 365 plus million dollar deal to get canelo uh instead of canelo's fights on hbo which cost 60 70 dollars uh all of his fights will be part of the DAZN package that's a 999 do you believe what he said by the way situation that one of the reasons he did it was so that his fans don't have to fork over the 70 80 bucks he he tried to make it about the people i'm not buying that okay i don't but i do think that if you're a boxing fan and you love boxing up and down that the new digital world is is probably a better one for you. Right now, almost all of the premier boxing is being divided up between 
ESPN Plus, yeah. which is what, four ninety nine or five ninety nine a month, and DAZN, which is nine ninety nine a month. We've said it, if you um, love archery, if you love badminton, if you love college sports, uh, the, the Olympic sports rather, if you love sort of the, the niche sport, oh, the OTT world is great for you. Because you can bypass the bundle and just get pretty much everything you want. And who'd have thought that boxing would be the first sport to, to almost entirely seamlessly move TV. into yeah. OTT? Yeah. Uh, um, would have well, been, in my opinion, so the last to, one. If you're so used to paying 70 bucks for the one big fight, even if it's on an annual basis, what's the eight, nine bucks a month? So what? Totally, yeah. I mean, if and you're it, getting so much more. You do the math out. You pay for a, a, a $90 Mayweather fight and a $70 Canelo fight every year. That is more than the cost for your DAZN and your – oh, not more, but almost the cost of your DAZN and your ESPN Plus. Well, the reason the why – An old history lesson here, why boxing was so great and took over uh, television. Here comes a Jake LaMotta, Rocky Marciano it, yeah, reference. I was thinking of Jake LaMotta. I <laughs> really he, was. Well, because you know what I like to say. Every time somebody said Rocky Marciano – Every time. Don't be Medina, talking about gotta, the sugar. Get, get the clip. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. <laughs> it's one of the best movies. One of the best. Oh, man. We no, come into Television America. back in I the day. I thought it was trash. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> Owen is like, I came in for this. <laughs> my professors did not tell me about this. He's Wait, like, I don't, hold I'm on. you got to ask him, does he know about Coming to America? Do you know, do, have you ever seen Coming to America, the movie? I've seen parts of Coming to America. I know. Oh. What is that? Velvet? When he's oh, all right. All right. Yeah. I know quotes okay. from. He's got to work yeah. on his accent. Why yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. It's going to Quinta. You gonna sing Soul Glow, man? No, 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 no. Let your soul glow. Medina. There you go. Medina. So smooth. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, she's done this so many times, but not on the air. Not on the air. That was the first time. Oh, that's a keeper. That sounds rehearsed. Yeah. No, she's done it so many times, but just not on the air. Now, the, the, the reason before I the forget... The pigskin through a giant well, inch. Sorry. <laughs> they, they, boxing, because of, you know, the dimensions in the ring, was great for television back in the 50s because, you know, the camera back then, far less technology. <laughs> 900-pound camera. Exactly. Yeah. So you you have the static shot for the most part, and uh, it was much easier to follow. That's why... Boxing took over big time on TV back in the 50s. Oh, very good. History lesson, Michael Barr. So for if your DAZN being, you know, being the go-to stop for boxing is obviously a priority and, and they're, they're making steps to get there, longer term, they want to be the thing that every sports fan goes to. Are, are we buying this strategy as the way to become a potential, and money talks, obviously, but but to become a, a potential future home for NBA content, Major Evan, League Evan, you know content, where I stand NFL. on this. I've said it a million times. Just like sports on the court is the ultimate meritocracy. As David Stern used to say, if you can play, you can play. It's the same thing here. If you show, if you have on your channel, on your OTT, on your platform, on your whatever it is, if you've got the goods that people want to see, they will find it. That's it. You, if you have it, if the zone has the money to get the best content that people want to see, yeah, just like I find True TV once a year during the NCAA tournament, I'll find it if I want to see it. But this is almost going the reverse way, right? The zone isn't starting with the content, sports content outside of boxing. No, boxing. They're is starting the, right. to. They're dominating one tiny world, and then at some point, ideally, going to some other rights holder yeah. and saying, "Listen, sure, we have X million dollar subscribers. Yes. All of them are avid boxing fans. They're probably 
fans of other sports in some capacity, mm-hmm. right? But but DAZN is never going to have the the reach that Amazon has, right? So if these two groups are sitting in front of, I would never of, say never. Sure. Okay. Likely not. But if these two groups are sitting in front of Adam Silver at the NBA, and both with the same, let's say the same offer, right? Is DAZN's is this boxing core enough to maybe get their foot in the door uh, versus a lot of these other bigger digital In a world where the main in rights buyers – In a world. <laughs> where the – hey, I'd love it. Give me a movie theater feel. <laughs> where the main rights buyers are in discussions with a lot of the digitals to kind of license out some games. If DAZN can say, I don't need the Warriors and the Celtics. I don't need that marquee game. But what I do need is your third-tier game on a Tuesday night. But I need it exclusively – that's where they get their foot in the door. And then you see where it goes from there. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Labar, along with Scott Sosnick, Evan Noby Williams, and thank you, Owen, for stopping by and Owen! Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with uh, maybe Michael's favorite guest so far, uh, IndyCar champion Scott Dixon. Hot diggity dog! Can I say that on the air? He was handsome, that, by that's the way. Fine. Oh, okay. He was. Yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Medina. So close. <laughs> You're listening to the Bloomberg <laughs> Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as a podcast where available. Oh.